Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello, Ralph. How are you doing? Hey there, Ugo. Very well. Thank you very much, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. So it's been a, a long time since we last spoke. Uh, and we put our podcast, The Traveling Image Makers, on a bit of a hiatus for a few months. But, uh, I mean, we were missing it. <laughs> I was missing uh, chatting with you every week and having guests on the show. So, yeah. Took some time off, but now we're back. I uh, hope our listeners will be glad that we're back. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're both uh, busy traveling photographers, traveling image makers, and so we had a lot of things going on. But uh, we're excited to be back, and uh, I'm hoping that our listeners will come back on board and continue to uh, be interested in what it is that we have to talk about and the people that we have on the show. Yeah, I've got a couple of episodes that I we recorded in the past few days. They are going to be published soon, and I I really think those are our fabulous guests. And we're going to have more. We're going to have new guests. We're going to have old guests coming back. Uh, so really excited about uh, being on the air again. So what 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 kept you busy in these months? Any amazing trips you you did? Yeah, well, uh, you reminded me that uh, we haven't done an episode, and uh, you know, since last summer. Now we're in uh, late January, 2020, as we record this. But uh, since then, I've had uh, wonderful trips to uh, Costa Rica. Uh, then I kind of uh, had about a month where I was uh, here in Chicago, and then uh, uh, my my last trip to Romania for a while. And the only reason for that is because there's uh, I've done it so many times and there's so many other places that I wanted to start leading some new trips to. I actually launched, uh, created and launched a, a whole new travel brand called A La Campania Experiences that we can talk about at some point. But uh, so I did a, a final trip to Romania, at least for a while. A wonderful place. But uh, then I did a scouting trip to uh, northern Spain, which uh, the Basque region and La Rioja, absolutely fantastic. And um, then from there, uh, uh, Armenia, Georgia, some scouting, but also uh, my first group tr trip there with, with people, with clients, and had a wonderful time. It really went without a hitch, loved it. And then I got a little time uh, on my own back in Tbilisi, Georgia, and uh, was able to just kind of be in one place for about a month and uh, really enjoyed that. So uh, now it's uh, the first quarter of the year, and this is sort of when I do the the travel shows, and I speak at a lot of the different travel shows. I uh, just did San Diego. I was in New York. And upcoming, I've got Chicago, L.A., and uh, doing Washington, D.C. as well. How about you? What have you been up to all this time? I've been to, well, in September, I did a two-week tour of Italy uh, with our friend Mike Golbra, who was on, on the podcast uh, last uh, spring, I believe. 
Um, we did this tour of Italy. I mean, places that I know very well, but I helped him organize the tour. It was nice for me to, to go back and get some time to photograph places like Venice again, Rome, the Cinque Terre, Florence, Tuscany, uh, the Amalfi coastline. Uh, then I spent a week in the Dolomites, mm. which, uh, strange enough, is a place that I've been a few times, but never for, uh, really just for photography. So this was a one week pure landscape photography, and we had some amazing time. Uh, the weather was exceptional. The fall colors were fantastic. I mean, just those yellow, orange, brown forests, a little bit of green here and there, blue skies, white clouds, and the, the light on the mountains was, was just fantastic. It was an uh, incredible uh, week. I'm, I'm planning to, to go back to the Dolomites again as soon as I can. Surely next fall, but maybe before that. Uh, well, if I can interrupt you, we'll have to talk about that in that area and that region and and the photographs you got were absolutely stunning. I, so at some point we need to talk more about that and get get more in depth on that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's an area that uh, that I always loved, and this time I was able to to really dedicate myself to photographing it with no other distractions. So that was just great. And then I went on a on a vacation. Well, it was a vacation to to Japan with family and friends. But yeah, of course, did bring my camera or cameras. So I took a ton of photos and got some great fall colors in Japan too. Uh, mm. I was there in November. I wasn't expecting it to be so so rich in color. We just in some places we were at the peak of the fall color season there. And the trees are, are I mean, you get greens, you get yellows, oranges and reds. All over the place and some places are just magnificent i really really love japan again planning to to go back in, uh, this year in uh, in the fall uh, already organized a little tour there hoping to to repeat the same experience with uh, with other people so it's been a it's been a good time it's been a very good time something that uh you know that we're we are been talking about talking about is uh yeah, uh, this coronavirus and things like the, the people having issues with traveling these days, it's really big in the news now. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And, and has it affected your travel plans at all? Uh, it hasn't affected my travel plans personally. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't have plans to go to China. <laughs> so, uh, that that was not on my on my plans. If I if I had plans to go to China, maybe I would I, I would definitely reconsider those. At least for the moment, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, uh, in the news, there's uh, uh, probably uh, exaggerating the situation. But it's, it's definitely a critical situation. You should not, especially because we don't know how it's going to develop, right? Uh, everything could just return back to normal in a few weeks, or it might get even much worse. We don't really know. Right now, there's a, there's a big scare. Uh, just today, the news, there was a cruise ship here in Italy. They just uh, uh, arrived in a port in Italy, and there was a, a couple from Hong Kong on the ship. And that couple had a fever and was sneezing and everything. And so they said, stop everything, stop here. We're going not just to uh, give exams to those people, but they quarantined the whole ship. 
6,000 people that could not get off the ship because two people from Hong Kong were having a fever while on the ship. <laughs> so, I understand the precautions there. Health is important, yeah. But it has a, it does not it has not affected my plans but i've been talking to people who are thinking of coming with me on on tours on trips and they they are thinking about it uh, not i don't have any plans to go to china but uh the thing could spread so people are worried rightly worried about it uh worried about the political situation I mean, there's been uh, tension between the us and iraq and that makes uh, U.S. citizens be a little bit more cautious about traveling to the Middle East. Doesn't matter what country. Uh, maybe not Iran, but well, of course not Iraq. But other countries, uh, they're, they're getting a bit more cautious and they're asking questions. I've got this uh, uh, tour of uh, Turkey in October in Cappadocia we're going to. Uh, so far, nobody has canceled. But and I don't expect anyone to cancel. And I would personally advise everyone to to be really uh, uh, not not harbor any fears about it. I mean, Turkey isn't uh, more dangerous than other places. It's not particularly dangerous for U.S. citizens. Uh, I personally have no trouble going there. Uh, of course, there have been terror attacks. There have been terror attacks in Turkey, but. There have been terror attacks in France, in Germany, in Belgium, in the UK. Uh, what do you think? Not not go? Would would you not go to Belgium because the the airport there has been bombed? Uh, yeah, of course. It's all. A, I think it's a matter of perspective, uh, but it's hard to perception. Sometimes is more important than reality. So, what's what's been your experience with this? Yeah, right now I I do not think I would travel to China. Uh, the last I heard is there were over 7,000 cases and 170 deaths that it's gotten worse than the SARS, uh, breakout, uh, a few years ago. So they're taking it very seriously as they should. And, uh, it's a little disconcerting about that part of the world. It's not going to affect my travels, uh, to other places like Europe, I was just invited to go down to uh, Rio de Janeiro for the Carnival, which is in just a few weeks. And so I'm definitely going on that trip, made my flight arrangements, so I'm not uh, worried about that. I'm just going to take my own precautions and you know keep an eye on things, but I certainly don't feel like world travel should stop because of um, you know, a fair amount of incidents, uh, certainly, you know, seven, 8,000 people is not a small number, but it's very concentrated. Uh, we, uh, last I heard, had uh, five confirmed cases here in the U.S., uh, one in each of five states. So not something that uh, that I would expect to, 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 to cause any breakouts or anything, but I'm going to keep an eye on it. But uh, I'm, I'm not someone that you know, we'll cancel plans just because I hear, you know, some things on the on the news, and uh, that's sort of my feeling about it. Yeah, I mean, personally, I would even if let's say I had a trip planned to um, Eastern Australia, like going to places like Sydney or Canberra or so on, uh, in the past weeks with all the fires that have been there. I mean, it's not. 
dangerous in itself. I mean, you're not going to you're not going in the bush. You're not going to be caught in a fire. But the air quality was really bad, right? So if you are worried about health, it might have been more dangerous to go to Sydney a few weeks ago than it is to to go to to other places. So yeah, um, and. What we we are we operate we we do tours right and for us it's risk. These things are risk. Uh, no matter what the reality is, the actual risk. If you you can look at the statistics the whole day, but people uh, follow their their instincts, their feelings. If they feel they're in danger, they would not go to a place. Has, has it ever happened to you that you had to maybe not to cancel a tour, but you had to uh, postpone it, or maybe you had people not coming because they were worried about the, the situation in a specific country uh, in the past? Yeah, that's uh, only really happened one time, uh, coincidentally, in Turkey. Uh, I'd, run, I'd done a scouting trip there. I forget the exact years. It was probably 2012, then I believe I ran the group trip 2013, and then not soon, not too, not too um, long after, there was uh, the the bombing at the airport. And so uh, this was a trip I was running in conjunction with another uh, tour company, and uh, I, you know, we both decided that it just probably wasn't worth trying to market against that. Yeah. Uh, incident and trying to talk people into going there. Uh, this, you know, this was something that, uh, you know, we didn't expect to happen again. I personally didn't think that, you know, there was going to be a bombing during our trip or anything, but we just decided that, uh, you know, for, for a period of time, it just didn't make sense to, uh, you know, there's so many other places in the world and sure we had time and, uh, and money invested in uh, that itinerary, but uh, we just uh, collectively decided that it wasn't worth it to, um, you know, have to sort of market against that, have to hard sell that trip, which we didn't want to do. You know, we want people to go where they are comfortable going, and we had so many other itineraries to to take its place. Uh, I don't think at all that that. Uh, is something that should affect anyone today going to Turkey, like on your trip. Um, you know, unless there's some sort of other incidents. Uh, but you know, still, I think those things are extremely isolated and, uh, and in a way almost make it safer if it does happen, because then there's that much more attention, uh, put, put in those places. Um, but that's, Kind of my feeling. Uh, I'm single. I don't have a family to think about as far as you know, children and things like that. That uh, so. Uh, yeah, what, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, of course. Uh, I mean, and I, I didn't uh, never had to cancel a, a tour. I have much less experience than you do, but never had to. Lucky, you know, never had to cancel a tour because of of that. I had people. I mean, I'm. You mentioned the carnival. Uh, you're going for to the carnival in Rio. I'm going to the carnival in Venice, just like every year. And mm -hmm. you know, in the last when, when was that November or so, uh, the the high waters in Venice were to an, they reached an exceptional level uh, in, yeah. in at, le at least one day, which was the uh, highest level since 
1966. So high waters in 1966 were 194 centimeters. This time there were like something like 187. Mm. But you know, 187 above median sea level doesn't mean that the city is two meters underwater. <laughs> okay, it's uh, but yeah, there were uh, problems. I mean, going down in the street because of the waters. Uh, there were damages to properties and buildings and so on and businesses. But the waters receded because it's a high tide, low tide. They follow the tide. So the waters receded in a couple hours. A couple hours later, Venice was dry. But still people were thinking, that, well, Venice has been flooded. Now it's gone. You cannot go there anymore because it's under two meters of water. <laughs> you will never be able to go to Venice again. Well, that's not the case. Uh, but the media, you know, they like to make everything more sensational than it is. And it was an exceptional event, of course it was. But Venice is well-equipped to cope with high water. It happens regularly every year. A few days every year you can count on high water. It might be not that high, but it happens. And there are countermeasures to the people there know how to cope with that. So uh, that's, that's not an issue. But the perception in many cases was different. Another story i was uh speaking about this with uh, our, our friend pete demarco who was again another guest on the show and months ago he had organized uh, um, a workshop photo workshop in hong kong uh, where he had to cancel it because mm. nobody wanted to go to hong kong with all the news about the uh, the rallies demonstrations in the streets riots with the police even though those events, if you look at Hong Kong, it's the city of millions of people. And those events happen in a street, in a square, where there might be clashes with the police. Uh, you can go 100 meters away from that and nothing happens and everything is very quiet. But yeah, still, there's a um, perception, one thing, and the fact that those things might escalate and the clashes might extend, might be strikes, uh, people blocking roads, people blocking the airport, and so on, like it happened in happened in Bangkok years ago, you remember? Yeah. There was big manifestations against the government, and the people blocked the airport for weeks. I don't remember exactly for how long, but you could not flee, fly in and out of Bangkok. So even though you were perfectly safe while in Bangkok, you could not leave the city. <laughs> That's yeah. certainly something that people uh, have to consider, rightly so. They are worried about that. Well, another incident that I, that I did have was in November of 2010, I brought a group to Egypt. And it, we had a great time, uh, but the, everything, everywhere we went, uh, you know, sort of middle of the day, because as I've always talked about, I like to get our groups out early to try to beat the crowds. Uh, but you know, some of the, you can't, you can't do that every day or, you know, so, um, most of the sites were fairly crowded, but then Arab spring came just after that in the spring of 2011. And I went to speak there back, uh, in December of 2011. So just about 13 months after I'd been there, uh, after the Arab spring and there, there was nothing, nothing happening unless you were right in that uh, that main square there. I believe it was Tahrir Square. 
Uh, is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, if you were outside of that, which we were right next door at the Egyptian Museum, which you know butts right up to that in Cairo, there was nothing. I mean, you couldn't have told anything. And all the sites that we went to were down about 90, 95% of tourists. And so we had the place to ourselves. So there are times when I would prefer to go after some sort of an incident like that. Uh, because, you know, people, they, at the time, they thought that the whole country was on fire. And it was nothing but this one square and maybe some other isolated incidents. And so um, it was, it was, Interesting to be back there after, you know, soon after a, a very big, uh, big incident and to see what it was really like at that time. And so uh, I didn't end up doing trips there again, uh, but it, it wasn't based on that. Um, but uh, I know people that are going now and have absolutely loved it. And they say that they're, you know, a lot of those sites are still fairly empty and they've got a lot of these places to themselves. Another funny story uh, from a different perspective, because we talk about going to places where the situation might not be uh, stable or safe. Uh, what about the people who are there and want to travel? And the story is uh, like that three weeks ago I was in Rome and I was taking photos in, in front of a church in a square and I was uh, approached by this, there was a young family, a husband and wife and a, a little baby on a stroller, and they looked Middle Eastern, Arabic, probably. And they asked me to, to take their photo with their cell phone. And I said, sure. So I took a couple of photos of them in front of the church, and I gave the, the phone back to them, and I asked, where are you from? And they said, we're from Libya. And I was, wait a moment, isn't there a war in Libya right now? Yeah, there is a war. in the kind of a warlike situation in Libya right now, but those people were able to travel to Rome normally as normal tourists. Fun, kind of interesting. I mean, you don't see yeah. many tourists for, from Libya, even in peacetime. But now that there's a war there, <laughs> people still want to travel, and probably get away from their country, which has a lot of turmoil, and come to quieter place like Italy. And they were living in no, Libya? No, they were, yeah, they, they were tourists. So they were just tourists in Rome, but they are living in, in Libya. Inter yeah, that is interesting. Wow. I don't know what the answer is. I think everyone's got to make their own decision, obviously. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty any, open to that kind of thing. Any, any resources hmm? you can recommend? I mean, when, when people ask me about is this place safe or not, I always tell them. If they're American, because I get... A lot of American clients and inquiries to, to check with the Department of State website with the travel advisories or you get anything similar. We have a similar website in Italy uh, made from the, the Foreign Minister of Foreign Affairs as a similar uh, website where it monitors the situation and gives advice about precautions to take in various countries, the alert level, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I was going to say the Department of State. I think that uh, that you know they they tend, and I think rightly so, to be super conservative. And so you know you may not go anywhere if you didn't go to the places that they said you shouldn't go. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's uh, it's probably a smart idea to at least register with the Department of State if you're if you're a U.S. citizen, 
and uh, at, at least letting them know that you're there. If there is some sort of an incident, then, you know, you're sort of on their list of, uh, of U.S. citizens yeah. that are in a place. And so if there is a problem, they, you know, at least know that you're, you're there and should be aware of you. Yeah, uh, we have we have the same in Italy. Yeah, the, the same website lets us uh, register, and so we are officially uh, on a, in a place. So if something happens there, they have the, our name, and they can try to contact us. If anything happens, if I go to Turkey, for example, anything happens, like there was an earthquake in, in Turkey recently, right? It was a small one, but still a couple, maybe three dozen people dead, unfortunately. But it was a small uh, container in a, in a limited uh, small location. But still, if you're if you're there and an earthquake happens, uh, if you have the your Department of State for U.S. citizen, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs for Italians, and I guess other countries have similar services, it's a good idea to to register to let them know that you're traveling to a place. So if anything happens, they can try to contact you and see if you need help. That's, a, that's right. a smart thing to do. Besides uh, travel insurance, it's another smart thing to do. I was just going to bring that up. Uh, how do you feel about travel insurance and what do you recommend for your clients and, and for yourself? Uh, I always do, well, almost always uh, get travel insurance for myself, recommend it for my clients. Um, I, I, I used a lot of companies called World Nomads. Yep. I like it. Uh, I typically use that to, to insure myself. Um, get a, something that I always get the, the policy that gives me uh, uh, transport back home if, if I need to uh, get any health issues that require care at home and get that transport back home included. Uh, one thing that I don't know how what it what the situation is for like European citizens traveling to the US, but I guess it's the same as for American citizens traveling to Europe in this case. Uh, what happens if you if you get an accident, right? You just break a leg and you need to go to the to the ER and or you get a any medical situation that requires immediate care. And you, in, in Italy, and I'm pretty sure in all of Europe, the European Union, uh, if you're an American citizen, you can be admitted to the ER if it's an emergency and you pay absolutely nothing. That's a, that's a great thing. So, uh, of course, travel insurance is good because, I mean, that covers the, the ER treatment. But if you want to see a specialist, you want to see a private specialist or you get a toothache, and you need to see a dentist that is not covered by the welfare, right? Social security. Nope. You need to, to pay with your own pocket. But things like an ambulance, they are completely free. But still, having a health uh, uh, travel insurance with covers your all of your health issues and possibly even repatriation in case that is needed. Uh, absolutely recommended and. I, I take one myself every time I travel abroad. At least if it's, I mean, travel abroad. If I, if I drive by car to France, like I often do, no, then no. Well, it's like traveling to Italy for me. I would not take an insurance if I have to travel to Rome by car. And I yeah. don't take an insurance if I travel to Paris. Because it's all the yeah. European Union. 
Right. We are covered as European citizens. We are covered just like I was in Italy. No, no issue with that. But if I go U.S. or any other country outside of the EU, I, I, I get a travel insurance. Well, I, I had an incident where I was in Romania and I was flying. I just finished up my scouting trip. I was flying to Rome that day and I started to have some odd feelings. Uh, I won't get into it too much, but... Uh, you know, while I was still in Bucharest, and so I flew to Rome, went to the infirmary at the airport, and spoke to a doctor. He said, "Yes, I need. To, I want you to uh, be transported by ambulance to have some tests done." He took my passport. Uh, I had EKG, uh, MRI, I think a cortisone shot or treatment. And some other things. And in the end, it cost me zero. Mm -hmm. And I thought that they took my passport to make sure that I would pay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and thank goodness for that system that you have over there, because that would have been thousands and thousands of dollars in the U.S., I'll tell you that. And I think it, it's because it was an emergency that uh, I didn't have to pay. Yeah. And for the lesser types of uh, incidents, uh, then you will have to pay. But with regards to travel insurance, I, I never used to get it. Um, I just you know, thought I'm young, I'm healthy, uh, you know, I'm not going to have an issue. But uh, now I get a yearly policy. Um, and also, I highly recommend it to my clients over the past about a year and a half with actually within, you know, I've been doing this full time for almost 12 years now. And for about 10 years, I never had one incident at all with any of my clients or myself. And then within about nine months, I had two women break ankles uh, on a, on different trips. And, and these were just uh, sort of silly falls, slips, not even like hiking or zip lining or doing anything extreme. And I think that's when these types of things happen because you let your guard down. Uh, you know, oh, I'm just walking on a you know little gravel path. No big deal. Well, that's exactly what happened to both these ladies. They slipped, broke ankles. One had insurance and uh, much of it was covered, but she still had to pay in, in addition. But the other one had no insurance, had to end her trip early get herself back to the U.S. from Bucharest. It was a real problem and a very, you know, and a real expense for her. So I highly, highly recommend people get travel insurance and I'm uh, seriously considering requiring it on our trips and uh, certainly not for my benefit, but for the client's benefit. Yeah, sure. We're talking about things that are not that pleasant. That's the reality. That's the reality of the, the situation sometimes with the virus outbreaks and other things that can happen. Better to be on the on the safe side. Document yourself. See what the real dangers are. Don't always uh, believe what the media says because they like to make things bigger and worse than they are. But definitely some there are risks involved. And so document yourself. Take all the precautions, uh, inform yourself with the Department of State, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, all the reputable sources that you can find. Don't ask for advice on Facebook groups. 
<laughs> especially medical advice or stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and get an insurance. That's uh, that's the best you can do. You should not stop traveling just because you're uh, you're afraid. You'll... Yeah, and it can be very inexpensive. You know, I always thought that travel insurance was fairly expensive, maybe upwards of ten percent of the cost of a trip. So a $5,000 trip, you know, might be an additional $500, which still seems reasonable, but, uh, you know, depending on your age and what you're protecting against, um, I, I don't think a lot of pre-existing conditions are ever covered, but it can be, uh, you know, anywhere from 150 to $200, uh, for, for a healthy person to get a good travel insurance mm -hmm. And so it's a very little expense and is such a, it gives you such a peace of mind. So I can't recommend it enough. Absolutely. Okay. So it was good to, to be back on the show, to, to talk to you. And we will be back soon with, uh, with other episodes. Said so we got two recorded, ready, ready to go in the next few weeks. And then maybe, maybe we'll do another one, one-on-one, -on -one, you and me. We'll think of some other topics, uh, of course, if the if our audience any has any suggestions of things they would like to us to talk about, would like some information about some topics, if we can, if we know, and if we can provide some some information, we would be gladly do it. We would gladly do it. Yeah, we're always looking for new topics and things that you're interested in. So don't be afraid to let us know what that is, and uh, we'll try to build some shows around it. All right. So before we we finish, you just uh, you said you had a new um, was that is that a new company initiative? How do you call it? That a la campagna experiences. Where can people find more about that and you in particular? Yeah. So uh, it's a new travel brand underneath the umbrella of my uh, photo enrichment programs company. Uh, my other brand is Photo Enrichment Adventures, more photography-centric, but also small group trips around the world. And uh, so some of my clients were asking for shorter trips uh, closer to home for our U.S. and European citizens, a little bit less about photography, more about the culture, people, food, not moving around as much. And so I created A La Campagna Experiences, a bit of an homage to my mother, whose maiden name is Campania, which, as you know, Ugo, means countryside in <laughs> Italian. And so uh, I cleared the name with you initially, but uh, the idea is uh, for uh, it to be uh, sort of to the countryside. So the idea is that we're going to spend time in the countryside in the mostly Mediterranean countries, uh, Spain, France, Italy, Portugal, uh, Greece, things so you got, like you got that. Plans to come to Italy? Yeah, I need to get over and scout and uh, and put together a trip there. Right now, we just have Portugal, uh, northern Portugal, northern Spain, and uh, southwestern France, the Dordogne. Uh, but again, these are we're going to stay in one, maybe two locations for longer, probably four to seven nights. Uh, the property itself will be a destination, such as private castles, agriturismos, former villas, uh, wonderful boutique hotels, uh, a lot of wine tasting, food, culture, cooking classes and demonstrations, things like that. So, uh, But shorter trips closer to home, 
because uh, many of our trips are upwards of 14, even 17 days and halfway around the world because you're not going to go to India or Cambodia for seven days. Yeah. But, uh, you know, people will, uh, especially from the U.S., will pop over to Europe for a week or extend before or after the trip. So that's at alacampagna.com. And uh, you can find my photo enrichment adventures at photoenrichment.com. And I'm on all the social media networks at at Ralph Velasco and at Photo Enrichment. How about you, Ugo? Uh, so I've got some tours planned for, for the rest of the year, just if people are interested. Well, of course, you know, by the time this goes live, it will be, let me see, uh, probably just a couple of weeks away from my Venice Carnival workshop, where I still have one spot left. I know it's very, very last minute, but in case some people are interested in coming to Venice starting February 17, I got one spot left. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm doing the uh, in April, end of April, with our common friend Steve Simon. We're going to do a little street photo, our, again, our street photography workshop in Milan, uh, here in Italy. Then I've got some tours of Italy, uh, uh, one in May. I've got, uh, I said I'm going to Turkey, Cappadocia in October. Uh, that's for sure. These are the tours that are sure going to go through. And I've got great hopes for a tour of Japan in November, which I would really, really like to, to go back to. Uh, everything, those tours and others, you can find at my website at tours.ucphoto.me. And my main website Oh, by the way, I changed my main website. Now it's www.ugochayphotography.com. Right. It was different before. And of course, <laughs> my social media, Facebook and everything is with my name, Ugo Chai. You can find me there and you can find everything about the show at ttim.photo. All right. Now let's get out and shoot. Let's get out and shoot. Talk next week. Bye-bye. So long.